Good morning, church. If you've been coming for a while, you'll know that we have two readings from the Bible. The first one should be a familiar one by now. It's from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Our second reading is from Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 19. And if you're following along in your booklets, it is different to the booklet today. So just please join us on the screen. So Lamentations 3, 19, where it says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. This is God's word to us. Good morning, church. My name is Adam. I have the great joy of serving as the lead pastor here, and it's really good to be together today. Let me just add something to what uh, Ben mentioned a moment ago around the coronavirus. Hopefully, you've had a chance to read the uh, blog that we sent out on Friday or, or that you received on the way in today in the handout. Now, obviously, this is a developing situation that's moving quickly, so we'll be staying aware of and alert to any updates from the government and from the Department of Health, and we'll be sure to communicate those with you as, as quickly um, and as timely as we can. So make sure you keep your eyes on social media. Uh, if you haven't liked us on Facebook yet and you have a Facebook account, make sure you do that. Great way to stay up to date. Keep your eyes on your emails, and we'll do our best uh, to keep you informed about any implications for us as a church community. Let me also encourage us in, in this time to be a, a people of faith. Let's continue to put our trust and our hope in God. Second Timothy says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. And so let's keep trusting in God. Let's also be a people of love. Let's not allow this to, to make us self-focused and self-centered, but let's keep our eyes open and our hands ready to do good to others, to overflow in love uh, for those around us. Let's keep our eyes open to the needs of our neighbors and for the needs of one another. And let's also be a people of prayer. Let's keep bringing this uh, situation before our God in prayer. Let's pray for our leaders, let's pr pray for our nation, and let's pray for our globe as we navigate um, this situation. And so with that being said, can I now lead us in a, a time of prayer before we uh, come to God's word? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you reign, you rule, you sit enthroned in the heavens. Lord, there is nothing and no one that is outside of your sovereign control and care. 
And so we now want to take refuge and rest in you today. And Lord, in the weeks, in the months ahead, help us not to forget this. Help us to keep trusting you. Help us to place our faith and our hope in you, our only sure and certain hope. And Lord, we do lift up before you and pray for the leaders of our nations. Lord, we pray that you would give them wisdom to navigate this situation. Lord, we pray for those in the medical profession. Give them the strength and the endurance that they need to continue to serve and help those in our community. And Lord, please continue to help us, your people, to be a light in the darkness. That by our good deeds, by our love for one another, people would know that we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we commit ourselves to you and we commit our world to you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we are in week seven, can you believe it, of our sermon series exploring what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. For the last little while, we've been looking at how the Spirit of God transforms us and produces within us the character of God. So far in the series, we've looked at love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. If you've missed any of those sermons, you can catch up online. Today, we come to faithfulness. Faithfulness. Now, I wonder if you recognize this man on the screen. His name is Ernest Shackleton. Now, he was a well-known Arctic explorer. He led three expeditions to Antarctica. And on his third and final expedition, he actually wanted to cross Antarctica. And so, on the 5th of December, 1914, he set out on a ship called Endurance with a hand-picked crew of 27 men. But only six weeks into their journey, disaster struck. Their ship became frozen in the ice pack. So they had nothing else to do but wait out the winter and wait for the spring thaw to arrive and to release the ship. After 10 months, 10 months in their wooden ice box, spring finally arrived. But instead of releasing the ship, the shifting ice began to crush it to pieces. And Shackleton realized they had no choice but to abandon the ship. And he gathered his men around and he announced a new mission, to get every man home safely. Now at first, they took refuge on a, a giant sheet of floating ice. And, and while they're on this ice, Shackleton devoted himself to preserving his men's morale, health, and unity. He would visit every tent, he would check in with every man, and when morale began to flag, he would order a hot drink for everyone or a talent show to entertain them. Now, when it became clear that this ice flow was not taking them closer to an island, which is what they had hoped originally, that it would float them closer to an island, but it was actually taking them out to sea, Shackleton realized they had no choice but to get into the three lifeboats that they had saved from the ship. For seven days and seven nights, they fought against powerful currents, freezing winds, giant icebergs, before they eventually made it to the uninhabited Elephant Island. And for the first time in 497 days, they set foot on land. But they were not yet safe, not by a long shot. You see, Elephant Island was nowhere near a shipping route, 
and no one on earth knew where they were. So with morale, with provisions running low, Shackleton decided that the only thing left for them to do was to take one of the boats and head for a whaling station on nearby South Georgia Island. It was a journey across some of the most treacherous waters on the planet. And as he shoved off with five members of his crew, Shackleton promised the rest of the men that he would come back for them. Now, while they were out on the open ocean, the small boat battled gale force winds, 20-foot seas, but on the 14th day, they spotted land. But the tide wouldn't allow them to get close to shore, so they had to spend another night in their waterlogged boat. And as you might expect, a huge storm hit that night. All through the night for nine hours, they fought for their lives. Eventually, as the sun came up, they made it to shore, only to realize they'd been blown to the wrong side of the island. They now had to cross 35 kilometers of mountainous, icy terrain. 36 hours later, they stumbled into the whaling camp looking like walking, living corpses. Now, Shackleton allowed himself one night's sleep before setting about the task of getting back to his men. Now, his first three attempts to reach his men failed couldn't get through the ice. And Shackleton's hair during this time literally went gray from worry over his men. Eventually, on the fourth attempt, Shackleton made it through the ice. And as he approached the island, he saw some men gathering on the shore to greet him. He anxiously began to count them, and it was only when he got to 22 men that he breathed a sigh of relief. Shackleton kept his promise, and he got every man home safely. That's an incredible story, isn't it? And, and why would I tell you the story of Ernest Shackleton? Because his example gives us a wonderful illustration of faithfulness. According to a Bible dictionary that I read this week, the word faithfulness means the state of being someone in whom complete confidence can be placed. It refers to trustworthiness, dependability, reliability. It means to keep your promises. It means to be true to your word. It means to follow through. And this is exactly what Ernest Shackleton did. Now, we might not always be conscious of it, but faithfulness is what keeps our society together. It is the glue that holds our relationships together. From the moment we wake up in the morning, we trust and we depend upon other things and other people. We keep appointments with other people that we trust will show up. We drive through intersections trusting that other people won't drive through the red light. We board buses and trains and planes trusting that they will get us to our destination safely. We trust and depend upon our business partners, our clients, our employers, our employees. We rely on doctors and surgeons. We trust our professors and our teachers. We even trust the banks with our money. <laughs> Some people are shaking their heads. I mean, we rely on faithfulness every single day. The sad reality is that in our day, faithfulness can feel like a rare commodity. Trustworthiness and dependability and reliability, it can seem like they are in short supply. I mean, products seem to break a little bit quicker than they used to. 
Politicians break their promises, probably just as much as they used to. Companies lie about their products and services. Even the banks take advantage of their customers, as we saw in the Royal Commission. Even the church is not immune. Many people have had their trust broken by the faithlessness of church leaders. Maybe it's more personal for you as we think about faithfulness. Maybe there's been a significant betrayal in your life. There was someone who should have been faithful to you. They made promises to you. They were committed to you, but they broke your trust. They hurt you. They let you down. Or maybe you've been the betrayer yourself. Maybe you've been the faithless one, the wandering spouse, the absent parent, the the wayward child, the lying friend. This is the baggage that we bring to the topic of faithfulness. And if we're honest, it, it can make us feel a little bit cynical. As we kind of survey this landscape of broken promises, we can begin to think, well, well, who can I trust at all? Is there anyone that I can trust? And to be honest, the most common answer to this question is myself. Now, the most common reaction to our woundedness, to our cynicism, is to turn away from other people and is to turn inwards, to put up walls around ourselves, to live life with the attitude that I can't trust anyone but myself. Now, the problem with this is we can't even trust ourselves. We're not even faithful to our our own standards, are we? I mean, can you honestly say that you've never let yourself down? That you've never failed to meet your own expectations? This is the, the, the problem of faithfulness. We need it to live our lives. We need it for our relationships. We need it to face the future. And yet it can be so rare and so fragile. Funnily enough, even the Bible acknowledges this reality. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 6 says, Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. Or in the message paraphrase, It says, lots of people claim to be loyal and loving, but where on earth can you find one? So what's the answer? Where do we find faithfulness? How can we become faithful people? Well, the answer, perhaps unsurprisingly, is we need to look to God. We we need to turn our eyes to God. Now, if you remember back to the very first week of this series, I laid a foundation for us. I put some building blocks in place for us to properly understand the fruit of the Spirit. And the very first building block was this. The fruit of the Spirit reflect God's character. The fruit of the Spirit give us a picture of God's character, which means before we look at our faithfulness, we need to look at God's faithfulness to us. And this actually is a repeated refrain of the Bible, that God is faithful, that he's reliable, he's trustworthy, he's dependable, that he doesn't change, he doesn't lie, he isn't moody. He keeps his promises, 
He's true to his word. He is as dependable as a rock. Deuteronomy 32 verse 4, he is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. Now imagine with me for just a moment if God was not faithful. Imagine if God could change. It, it, to be honest, would change everything. We would live in a constant state of uncertainty. We would forever be wondering, well, what kind of mood is God in today? Has God changed his mind about what he wants from us? About whether he's really forgiven us? About whether he even loves us? If God was not faithful, if God could change, we would have no hope, no certainty, no assurance. Thankfully, the Bible tells us that this is not the case. The Bible tells us again and again that God is faithful. And that God is faithful in all that he does. For example, the Bible tells us that God is faithful to his creation to the world that he has made. Psalm 146, verse 6 says this, He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. Now, the fact is, and scientists will tell you this, that we live in a finely tuned universe. The earth, as we all know, it kind of orbits around the sun. But if the earth was to move even slightly off its path, if it was to move slightly closer to the sun, we would all burn up. If it was to move slightly away from the sun, we would all freeze up. There is a faithfulness, a reliability, a predictability built into the fabric of the universe itself. Because a faithful God is upholding the world that he made. The Bible also tells us that God is faithful to his promises. You know, I have two books on my shelf. Well, I've got more than two, but I have two in particular. One is titled The Message of the Old Testament, and the other is titled The Message of the New Testament. And there is a subtitle to kind of summarize what that message is. Two words. Now, what do you think that message would be if you were to summarize the Old Testament and the New Testament in two words? Well, according to this author, the message of the Old Testament is promises made. The message of the New Testament is promises kept. You see, this is a great way to understand the Bible. The Bible is a, is a book about promises made and promises kept. Because right from the beginning, God made promises. God made promises to Abraham that he would be a blessing to all nations. And from Abraham came the nation of Israel. And God made the promises to Israel that if they would obey him, he would bless them. And if they would disobey, he would punish them. And God faithfully did both those things. God made the promise to King David to place one of his descendants on the throne forever. God makes these promises in the Old Testament. And when we come to the New Testament, we see that he keeps these promises. Because they are fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus is the one who brings blessing to all nations. Jesus is the one who faithfully keeps God's law. Jesus is the one who will reign and rule on the throne forever. Jesus is the one who proves to us that God is faithful to his promises. 
Now, here's what this means for you and for me. It means if God has been faithful to his promises in the past, we can trust that God will be faithful to his promises in the future. God is faithful to his world, to his creation. God is faithful to his promises. And the Bible goes on to tell us that God is also faithful to us in our trials. Now, this is exactly what we read in Lamentations chapter 3 a little earlier. If you haven't read it, and and maybe you've never read the book of Lamentations before, and, and I would encourage you to do it at some point. Now, this chapter is actually written from the perspective of someone who is undergoing intense suffering. He talks about bitterness and and wandering and affliction. But then we read this, beginning in verse 20. I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. When we remember the love and the faithfulness of God, it can bring hope in the midst of our trials. Because God's word assures us that no matter the circumstances we go through, no matter the grief or the pain we experience, God will never leave us or forsake us. He is the the strong foundation in the storm. He is the hands holding us when we feel like we're falling. Even though we won't understand it, And even though we definitely won't always feel it, God's word tells us it's true. And so we can have hope. I like the way one author, Chip Ingram, puts it. He says, God will never let you down. He may not do what you want him to do exactly when you want him to, or even how you want him to. He may not orchestrate it in a way that you can understand it now or perhaps Ever, but he will never let you down. Now, you might be hanging on by a thread today. You might be here and you might be thinking, I feel as if God has let me down. I feel as if God has abandoned me. Maybe even as you survey what's going on in our world at the moment, you're thinking, how could God allow this to happen? And God's word comes to us this morning and assures us that God will never let us go. He will never let us down. And he's faithful to us in our trials. And God's word calls on us to put our hope in him, to put our trust in him. And Psalm 25 verse 3 says, No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. You will never be disappointed for trusting God in this life because God is faithful in our trials the Bible also promises us that God is faithful to us in our temptation now we face temptation to sin every day to disobey God to distrust God to do what God has forbidden to not do what God has commanded And when we experience this temptation, it can feel so strong, so overwhelming, it it almost feels as if God has left us, is not helping us. And yet this is what we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. 
But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now this verse says that God is faithful in our temptation because he will give us a way out. If you've been a Christian for a while, you've experienced this. When you've been tempted to do something, say something, click on something, to go somewhere, to visit someone you know you shouldn't, you found there is always a way out. There is a moment where the Spirit prompts you or convicts you to close your mouth, to close the browser, to put your phone down, to walk away, to cancel the appointment, to not send the email, especially if it's an angry one to your pastor. Just kidding, just kidding. God is faithful, and he always provides a way out. Now, the question is, will we listen? Will we take it? Will we obey? Of course, the answer is not always yes. But the incredible truth of the gospel is that even in those moments when we are faithless, God remains faithful. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Now, this does not mean that our sin doesn't matter, that our sin doesn't have consequences, that we can ignore God and everything will work out okay. Now, this means that when we fail and when we fall, when we don't take the way out provided by God, we can still come back to God. We can still confess our sin to God and he will remain faithful to us. And in fact, this is another promise in God's word that God is faithful to forgive us. To forgive us. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In other words, when we are faithful to confess, God is faithful to forgive. And no matter how many times we confess new sin or repeated sin, God is faithful to forgive. One author says, there is more grace in God than sin in us. And this side of heaven, we will never reach the end of our need to confess sin. But what good news is that we'll also never reach the end of God's faithfulness to forgive us. And this leads us to the final promise in God's word. And that is that God will be faithful to the finish. There's so much that we face in this life that makes us feel like we won't make it. And to be honest, if we were left to ourselves, we wouldn't. But we're not on our own. God is with us and God is keeping us and he will be faithful to the finish. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, He who began a good work in you will carry it on. Now who's the one carrying it on? It's God. And he will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, God is not like us. He always finishes what he starts. And he will finish what he has begun in you. Do you comprehend the depth, the wonder of God's faithfulness? He is faithful to his creation, to his promises, to us in our trials, to us in our temptation. He is faithful to forgive us and he will be faithful to the finish. The message of the Bible is a message of God's faithfulness. And because God has been so faithful to us, because God has sent Jesus for us who faithfully lived the life we haven't lived, because Jesus faithfully endured the cross in our place, 
and because God was faithful to raise Jesus from death, to give us the, the gift of his Holy Spirit, it means that we are now called and able to become faithful people. It means that we can now grow in the fruit of faithfulness. And so the question is, well, what does that look like? What does this mean practically for you and for me? Well, it means many things, but to close, I just want to point out two ways in which we can pursue faithfulness, two ways in which we can grow in the fruit of faithfulness. The first is this, it means faithfulness to God. I mean, what else could our response be? The God who has been so faithful to us, we are now called to be faithful to Him. Reminds me of a story I once heard about a, uh, a slave girl at auction in the US many years ago. A man went down to this slave auction and he noticed that the young girl was up for auction. Moved with compassion, he bid for her and he won her. And upon purchasing her, he told the young girl that she was free. In her surprise, she said, what does that mean? It means you are free, he replied. She said, does that mean I can say whatever I want to say? Yes, my dear, you can say whatever you want to say. Does that mean I can be whatever I want to be? Yes, you can be whatever you want to be. Does that mean I can go wherever I want to go? Yes, you can go wherever you want to go. The girl, with tears streaming down her face, said, then I will go with you. See, when we have been forgiven, loved by God, set free by God, our only proper response is to say, I will go with you. I will be devoted to you. I will be faithful to you. And so here's the question that we must answer. If we call ourselves Christians, if we say we love Jesus, are we faithful to him? Are we spending time with the one we love in prayer and in Bible reading? Is our devotion to Jesus obvious in the words that we say to others, about others, in the way we do our business, in the way we handle our money, in the way we use our talents, in the way we raise our children? What about us as a church? Are we faithful to God by being faithful to one another? You know, like earlier, we, we welcomed a whole batch of new members into our church family. Now, to be a member essentially means to commit yourself to be faithful to the people of God, to be involved, to be reliable, to be trustworthy, to be dependable, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to faithfully give, to faithfully serve, to faithfully gather. Are we faithful to God by being faithful to his people? Faithfulness may be a declining virtue in our day, but faithfulness is precious to God. And faithfulness is to mark the people of God. The second way that we can grow in faithfulness in our day-to-day -day lives is faithfulness in the small things. Faithfulness in the small things. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 16, verse 10. Whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. In other words, faithfulness starts in the seemingly small things. Now, so many people have this back to front. They have some kind of responsibility given to them. Maybe it's at work, maybe it's at home, maybe it's at church. And they think, well, this isn't that big of a deal. This isn't really worth giving too much time or attention to. But if something more significant comes along, 
if I get a, a promotion or, or a big role, something important responsibility is given to me, then I'll show who I really am. But that's entirely backwards because according to Jesus, you reveal who you really are by your attitude in the small things, by your approach to small responsibilities, by your faithfulness when not many people are looking. It reminds me of a story I heard once about a man named Norman Geisler. Now, as a child, he was invited to Sunday school because he was invited by some friends in the local community. Now, he went back to that Sunday school for over seven years, which works out to around 400 Sundays. Now, each week, he was faithfully picked up for Sunday school by a bus driver. And week after week, he attended, but never made a commitment to Christ. Finally, in his last year of high school, after being picked up for church around 400 times, he committed his life to Jesus. Now, what if that bus driver had given up on Norman at day 395? What if he'd said, this kid is going nowhere, why waste my time on him, why bother picking him up? But he didn't. And Norman came to Christ because a bus driver, in his own simple way, was faithful. Now, what responsibilities has God given to you? Are you faithful in them, especially in the small things? Do you show up on time at work? Do you finish what you start? What about at home? Do you do what you say you will do? Can your kids depend on you to be there? Can your parents rely on you to listen to them? What about towards your spouse? Are you faithful with your actions, with your eyes, with your words? What about with your friends and your social groups? You know, one of the most obvious indicators to me that we live in a commitment-averse culture is the interested button on Facebook. I don't know if you've seen this, but when you're invited to an event on Facebook, you don't have to say yes, you don't have to say no, you can say interested. Now, what does that even mean? I might go, I might not, I'll see if I get a better offer. Are you a faithful friend? Does your yes mean yes and does your no mean no? Are you faithful in the small things? It's an incredibly important question because it turns out that the small things are actually the big things. And so what small step do you need to take today that is actually a big step? Where can you grow in the fruit of faithfulness? And we're called to do this, to be faithful to God, to be faithful in the small things because we long and we look forward to that day. And Jesus Christ might say to you and to me, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Oh, that that would be said of all of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are faithful to us. And Lord, we know there are so many times and occasions in life when we are faithless, when we've broken our commitments and our promises to you, to others, and we ask for your forgiveness. And we thank you that you are faithful to forgive us 
We thank you that you have filled us with your spirit so that as we go from here today, we can grow in the fruit of faithfulness. We can become faithful people, even in the small things, especially in the small things, so that on that day, we might hear those precious words from the Lord Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, would you stand for this blessing from the Word of God from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Amen. From rising sun.